I think this is our ninth week. We started nine weeks ago a series called He's Got Nothing on Me. Based on this statement that Jesus made in John's Gospel. He was talking about the devil. And it's a wonderful statement. You can look at it in many versions where it says, He's got nothing in me. I've got nothing in common with him. And it's just, you know, it's fantastic, all-encompassing statement. What we're trying to do is to find out we're all different. All different. Person beside you, on your left, are you all different? And in us are all different types of problems. And through the weeks, we're going to just look at different things and try and get them out of us. If the, if the cap doesn't fit, you don't have to wear it. But you can remember the issues and maybe help others who have that issue. But if the cap does fit, that's, that's why we're doing the series. Today we're looking at fear. That it's, it's very probable that you have some fears in life. I don't know if you've ever seen, there, 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 there's a t-shirt you often see with no fear written on it. Sometimes you'll see a car with no fear on the back. Normally that car would be traveling about 150 miles an hour in the fast lane. And no fear is the wrong statement. Because that driver actually has a lot to fear. And I would say to you, to you know, you can trivially say, well, I've got no fears. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. You know, there's a lot of fears around. And we need to maybe open up and just pause and ask ourselves, do I actually have any fears? Because when you look at people's lives, or you look at your own life this morning, and you look at your decision-making, and the way you behave, you probably find that there are a few in there. For instance, a promotion in work that you could have gone for. Another set of training that you could have done, but you chose not to do. Why did you choose not to do that? Why did others advance when you stood still? Were you frightened of something? Or maybe that guy you fancy, that girl you fancy, and you say to the guy, well, why didn't you tell her that you liked her? Why didn't you tell her that you find you, well, were you afraid, were you? You see, fear can block your career. Fear can definitely affect your relationships. And as for ministry, we could be here for many weeks talking about how fear affects people and prevents them from advancing in ministry. Many people get bullied, you know. You can be bullied by your own children. You can, you know, bullies in school, bullies in neighbors, all kinds of bullies. So there are fears around. And I think it's a better place to start to be open and say, okay, let me take a fresh look at myself and see if I've got any. Now, the list of fears in the world tends to change over time, but the number one fear is not death, not hell. The number one fear is public speaking. Of all things, people are very frightened of people. The number one fear on earth for many years has been public speaking. Number two is poverty. Number three is illness. Number four is criticism. Number five is rejection. Number six is getting old, and on and on it goes. You see, fears actually change as you grow older. Someone who's 20 years old would fear very differently than someone who's 40 or 50 or 60. As life goes by, the things that challenge you change. Right? For instance, my mother is 88, 89 years old. And she's just learning how to be single. You say, what? Yeah. Her husband just died. After 60 years of marriage. Now you would think by 89 you would have had everything sorted out. No. 
Now, even at that age, you have a fresh fear, something that you're going to have to cope with. Praise God, she's coping very, very well. But it's not something we're going to put behind us permanently. It's something we're always going to have to face. And so we would be wise to build into our psyche some kind of principles in how to deal with fear. Amen? So to begin with, just to give us a foundation for our understanding, there's healthy fears and there's unhealthy fears. If I'm walking along a cliff and I get frightened and I'm going to fall over, that's a very healthy fear. It will save you from catastrophe. But it's the unhealthy fears that we're going to look at this morning. Let's begin by asking ourselves, what is the entry point of fear anyway? And that's my, on your notes there, it's the first section. The causes of fear socially. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 10 shows us the entry point of fear. Actually, I'll read from verse 8. This is Adam and Eve's situation just after they've fallen. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. The first mention of fear in the Bible follows the first mention of sin. So you see the entry point, the first primary entry point of fear into your life today, it's still the same, is sin. I saw you and I was afraid. I heard you rather, and I was afraid. And that's the primary entry point. Still works on us today, you know. If we sin, fear increases in our lives. Fear increases in our minds. And scripture is very clear. That, uh, you know, fear has got to do with judgment. Judgment. And a heart that knows it has sinned, fears the judgment of God. Fear is connected with sin because it's connected with judgment. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that fear is increasing or decreasing in the world? It is increasing monumentally because sin is increasing monumentally. In the last day, sin will abound. And the more sin, now listen carefully guys, these are the last days. The more sin that exists on this planet, the more fear that there's also going to be on earth. And it's another one of those end times criteria. We need to be able to deal with fear more than any previous generation, right? Because sin will abound, yes. Well, fear will also abound. So entry point number one into me and into you, into the human race of fear is sin. Secondly, you've got your mom and dad. You may have picked up certain fears from your parents. Fears you actually weren't born with genetically, I mean. Say your mum's walking, say your mother has a fear of spiders, right? And she's carrying you around the house and you're a baby and she sees a spider and up you go and off she runs. And over the years, you know, that happens. As you grow up, you'll remember that. You see, the mother may have a fear, but the child will have a phobia. And the thing increases through the generation. There's all kinds of things that you can pick up from your parents that God would not want you to have that can limit you, debilitate you, and you've got to tease them out and see, you know, if that affects you. Divorce is another one from your mum and dad. If you came from a house where there was a divorce, that might really, you know, mess up your thinking. You've got to be careful of that. That can affect people so profoundly. 
They can start to think, my mom and dad were divorced. Maybe that's going to happen to me as well. Take a look at Job a moment. Job chapter 3 and verse 25. That's a real good scripture concerning fear. Job chapter 3 and verse 25. What I feared the most has come upon me. It has apprehended me. What I feared the most has come upon me. It has taken a hold of me. Now, great scripture. It's Job chapter sorry, 3 verse 25 if you're writing it down. It's a great scripture, folks. Can I have my next slide? Take a look at this. There is a progression. Look at this at the board here a moment. There is a progression that fear takes. And I want you to see it this morning so that you don't fall for it. It starts with thoughts. That which I feared the most has come upon me. You've got to be careful what you think about. You've got to be careful what you dwell on. Because after a thought of fear of something enters your mind, the temptation of the devil to you is to cause you to entertain it. And we're warned not to do that. If you entertain it, it will then take root in your system. You know that great word in the Bible, entertainment. See, if I'm entertaining someone, what do I do? I invite you to my house. I take you in. I sit you down. I give you a meal. And I converse. And the Bible warns us not to entertain. In other words, don't take into your mind and think about and dwell with thoughts of fear. Because the progression is, it starts with a fearful thought. But if you're foolish and you start to dwell on that thought, next thing you'll be having all sorts of fearful imaginations about this circumstance or that circumstance. And that's no good, you see, because the end result will be that it will become your reality. And you don't want that. I was preaching once in a church and it was a series on healing. And I'm just going through my stuff and in the middle of my message, I just happened to say, myself and Jeanette don't get sick. There's been, I don't know, in about 20 years, I can hardly remember, just once I had a flu and that was about it. But we don't get sick and I just carried on with my message. And at the end of the sermon, this pastor came up to me and he was like spooky, you know. He's saying, hey, hey, you, you do know what you said, don't you? I said, what? You said you don't get sick. Yeah? You shouldn't have said that. I said, why? Because the devil's going to get you now. I said, oh, I see. The devil's going to get me. Yeah, the devil's going to get you. I know a man said that. Oh, he died a horrible death. And his wife, he said. And I remember my reply to him when he said that. He said, I have no investment in what you have just said. Now, you can invest in it all you want. And you can let it be a fearful thought. And you can let it be an imagination of sickness. But I don't want it. I choose not to think about that. Not to dwell on that. What does the scripture say? God is my life. God is my health. And that's where my faith will be. Now, funny story, but it doesn't end in a funny way. Guess who got sick? That which he feared the most ended up coming upon him. In fact, it put him completely out of ministry. And I remember taking a whole gang of pastors to his house as he lay on the settee, unable to get up and praying for him. 
But he didn't recover. He recovered a little bit, got up, and it wasn't very long. He was back down again and eventually knocked out. Be careful what you think about. Because that, Job says, that's which, that which I feared the most came upon me. Okay? There is a progression there. Not just about sickness, but people come with all sorts of things that they've dreamed up, that they've concocted. You know? Particularly women, you can get this a lot, where women will come to you and say, no one in this church likes me. Oh, really? Are you sure? Yeah, nobody ever talks to me. I say, listen, dear, that's absolute nonsense. Do you know what that is? Your imagination. Oh, but so-and-so was walking down and they didn't say good. They're busy. You're imagining. It began with a thought that maybe you didn't fit in. It began, and you entertain that thought. And then you start imagining that this person or that person is ignoring you and they're not. And now it's become your reality. And such a person, do you know what? If God tries to get love to them, they can't even receive it. Right? People build walls around themselves. And God can't do good to you. And that's the next actual point there. A poor self-image is also a source, a a, a terrible source of, of fear entering our lives. You can talk yourself out, if you're not careful, of the good things of God. Look, life life happens, doesn't it? And it's all in how you view your situation. You could have had a, you know, an up and down, a good past, a bad past. I don't know. But make the best out of every situation. And make sure that you keep this close to your heart, close to your understanding. There was a guy on holiday once in America, went into a church, fantastic church, great pastor. And the pastor just happened to say, in the middle of his message, my brother's an alcoholic, and they all sort of prayed for him. He was living in a doorway in the, in the city. And this visitor just thought, isn't that curious? <laughs> there you've got one brother who's, who's a conqueror, and the other one who's a homeless alcoholic. And his curiosity got up. And he went to the pastor and said, it was interesting what you said about your brother. You know, how could, it's a great church you've got here. What do you think happened to you? Tell me about your past. And that pastor said this. Aha, you see, I, my father was a chronic alcoholic. And when that happened to me, when I grew up in that situation, I made a decision that that type of life was never going to happen to me. I was going to follow this, not him. It was a bad example. I made a decision. And that visitor went out and found his brother, the homeless alcoholic. Hey, you know, I was in church today talking to your brother. Why do you think he ended up there and you ended up here? And the guy in the doorway says, Ah, well, you see, my father was an alcoholic. He gave exactly the same answer. Putting their faith in different things. One negatively thinking, My dad was an alcoholic. Therefore, automatically, I'm going to be too. Negative faith, bringing in fears that you don't need. There are all kinds of entry points. Sin, your mom and dad, broken homes, poor self-image, dwelling on the negative. There's entry points to these things. In fact, a group of Christians went to Egypt and they were going up in the pyramids, you know. And this woman was in the middle of of the crew. They have a narrow passage that you climb. So you've got room for one. But the whole crew started to climb up this narrow passage up inside the pyramid. And this woman's like in the middle of the train of people. She's never been in that situation, never had a problem with confined spaces, never in her life, never entered her mind. 
halfway up the pyramid, <gasps> something grabs her. Something seizes her and she freezes. And the staff there were pretty used to that sort of thing. So it's okay. Just someone's frozen. That's all right. And they bring the people out backwards, you know, and they go get the woman, come on, relax, and come out. From that moment on, she was never the same. She developed a fear of confined spaces. What is it? An entry point. A point in your life where prior to it, you didn't have a fear or an issue with this or that. But an entry point is a very important you know, part of your life. If such a thing has happened to you in any area, remember, if you lose something, you go back to the place where you lost it, right? And if something has been lost of your freedom, go back to that original place and assess how that entry point came. So there's your first, there are social entry points of fear into our lives. Secondly, there are most definitely spiritual entry points. And the primary one would be ignorance of God's Word. Over the years, I've had many people come to me, you know, and people make appointments to see you and they're crying about this or, you know, depressed about that. And ignorance of God's Word is a massive source of fear. Oh, Pastor, I think I've lost my salvation. Why? Not because of masturbation. Man, after man, after man. I remember one guy, one guy came to my home, crying like a baby, breaking his heart. What's wrong? Can't stop masturbation. I've lost my salvation. And you let them get it out. You let them start to, you know, spill the beans, as it were, and tell me how you see your God. Tell me about your God. And as you listen, you suddenly understand you don't know God the way you need ignorance of God's Word. And here's someone frightened. They've lost their salvation. Ignorance of God's Word. And person after person, you have to say, listen, friend, you have sinned. But God is a good God. We do not have a high priest who does not empathize with flesh. You've got a loving Jesus Christ, a man in heaven who knows the weakness of your flesh, who understands you, and who offers you forgiveness. Where's grace? You never mention grace. You see, ignorance of God's word can see people go through years of self-doubt and doubt in God and fear of, of damnation just through, you know, going through growth phases of life. Ignorance is a terrible thing. It's not just ignorance, obviously. It's disobedience as well. If you disobey God's word, if you disobey God, in, 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 a, in a way that you, you know, deliberately do so. You know what the scripture says? The wicked man flees when no one pursues him. Funny situation, isn't it? It means that that fear comes upon you. The wicked flee when no one pursues. So disobedience will cause you to have that sort of spirit around you. And of course, doubt of God's word will debilitate you. Are there consequences for you and I if we permit fear in any way to take a grip of us, to dwell in our imaginations? Of course there are. On top of those consequences, I would say that fear is going to stifle your ability to produce in life. You're not going to be able to produce all that God intends for you to produce and to be. And that's a tragedy. And friends, I can tell you, I've told many of you before, when I got saved, I had a sort of it's a small speech impediment. I'd had speech therapy. And when I got saved, I made this agreement and I was totally 
naive, I suppose, but I was honest and blunt with God. God, I will follow you. You know, thank you for saving me. And I, I will serve in the church in whatever way. There's just one agreement between you and me. I never have to speak in public. Right, God? <laughs> that was my agreement. And I mean it with, all, with, with, with true sincerity. I prayed that and carried on in the first few weeks. It was only, I can't remember, just maybe months, a very short time, when I got a word from the Lord. Preach. And it was a word. It was a real word. It was a scary word. It was a word word. Right? I knew it had come from beyond the beyond. It had come from God. And I was frightened. Fear. So now I'm in a position that many of you are going to be in. If you're not now, you will be in some time. Here I am. And there's this ministry thing that God's called me to. And between me and that is fear. Between me and my future is fear. And it took me weeks of crying because I was terrified about it, praying, seeking, walking in the park and thinking, I, God, you know, wh what did you ask me to do that for? And process that through my mind and then step by step, the way really I overcame that fear was with fear and trembling, but I, you know, by step by step, by starting small, by, you know, putting your name down for this and, but what I want you to see, friends, I crossed the line in fact, I was in our church. We were having an evangelistic outreach. And it was up to me whether we went or we didn't go. And I was terrified because I was going to have to preach on the street. And, you know, it was, are we going to go? I said, I, I, I don't know. And I went outside into the corridor, full of fear. And I remember, bang, I crossed the line that day. Because I opened the door and I shouted into the church, we go in 10 minutes. Bang. I was never the same. Something altered. Oh, I was still frightened, still a bit shaky on the street and everything. But something, I, I crossed the line. And I entered my life. I found myself. I found the me that God had predestined, if you like. My purpose, my destiny. And I know what it's like on both sides of that line. And all day, I see people. Oh, I think God's called me to be this. I think God's called me to do that. But fear stands between us and that, right? Not just in ministry, in all areas of life. And sooner or later, you've got to face it. Do you know I had a bully in school? A guy who used to pick on me. And he used to come over and he'd smack me and this, that and the other. He actually sat beside me in, in technical drawing. Now, I didn't suffer from bullies, but this guy just had it in for me. His name was Jim McClarnon. And yeah, I'd sit there and he'd do this. And one day I turned to him and he said... I'm going to fight you. You're going to fight me. Yeah, I'm going to fight you. Okay. I said, I'll meet you tomorrow morning at such and such a place. He said, okay. Next day, oh, what did I do that for? So, the next day comes and I'm standing. I bring a friend with me. And what, you know, will you help me? You know, no. And I'm standing there. He comes along with his mate. And they stand there, takes his coat off and says, right, you ready? Boom. Beat the living daylights out of me. Never touched me again. Never touched me again. Respected me from that point on. Would sit beside, all right? You all right now? I'm fine. He would seek me out. He would seek me out in the playground at break time just to spend time with me. Became close. And we kind of got to like each other. 
So, in that situation, do you know what? Do you know what I thought? I don't care if I do lose. It's better than being threatened by you. I don't care if you do beat me up. I don't care. What's important is that I fight back. It's important to me. Because I'm not going to be subject to you like this. And it's the same as I stood in that church that morning. What am I going to do? Am I going to be standing and hiding in the shadows for the rest of my life? No, I'm not. So I'm going to go and do that. Who cares if people laugh? Who cares? It doesn't matter, does it? And people, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's heartbreaking when you hear the call of God on so many lives. But I'm telling you guys, fear. Fear of what people will say. Fear of consequences of this, that, and the other. Keep many out of ministry. It's a, sorry, what was that point? <laughs> it stifles your ability to grow. It stifles your ability to enter the kingdom. And I, as I say, I'm sharing as someone who's been on both sides of that line. And I know what it's like to come out of it. So whatever God has called you to, don't let the devil rob you of that. Start to fight back. Amen? It will give you a divided mind. And you know what James says about that? A person with a divided mind will receive nothing. Fear is a terribly tormenting thing. And of course it diminishes your any potential that you've got. God's placed huge potential in every believer that he saves. Every Christian. Somebody brings in and he, he blesses you with a future and a life and a hope. But the devil tries to bluff you out of everything good, doesn't he? Tries to con you and tell you that there's no hope in your case. Nonsense. What is it? It's a bluff. It's a bluff. Just like the bully sitting beside. It's a bluff on me. Trying to keep me limited. Keep me held back. So at some point, you've got to face that bluff. You've got to call the devil's bluff if you like. Who? Tell me, on the cross, who won? Jesus, you know, in, it's true to say that the devil has defeated all human beings. That's true because we've all sinned. But he did not defeat Jesus. And Jesus lives in me. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. I've got to live out of that. Believe and put my faith that God is in me. Amen? Let that be my identity. But as this man, here's me, in the future, demons are always there. Fears are always there. And I've got to somehow learn to cope. I've got to call the devil's bluff. Knowing who I have living in me. I've got to call his bluff. You know, there's a man walking down a country road. And he's on his way to its destiny, which is a village. But as he starts to approach, there's a huge giant in the way. And he sees and he's, he's terrified. So he cries out to the giant, What's your name? And the ogre shouts back, I am fear. And the man thinks, Oh no, how do I cope with this? I want to get where I'm going. What do I do? And I know what I'll do. I'll take one step at a time. So he takes one step and he notices that this ogre shrinks a foot. Huh. He takes another step and the ogre shrinks another foot. And with every step he takes nearer that ogre, that demon, that fear, it diminishes. Until when he gets up to it, there's this little squirt. And that's the nature of the bluff of the devil concerning fear. You know when you die 
and you stand before Jesus Christ, you will see all these stupid little things. Is that it? Is that cancer? Are you joking me, Jesus? Is that it? Was that my fear? Oh, Lord, forgive me. Open my eyes now. Now. Let me not have to wait till I die. Let me see now how big God is. Right? He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. God, bring on the day when, he, when we can say, He's got nothing in me. Amen? So assess yourself. See what fears you've got. Call the devil's bluff. Believe, you know, believe what you read right here. Believe it. We say it all the time. Now start believing it. Start acting on it. Put it into action in your life and overcome a few fears. Are there consequences to you if you let fear dominate? Absolutely. It will stifle your future. It will stifle your potential. It will give you a divided mind. And James tells us, a divided mind, that life is going to produce nothing. It's tormenting. It diminishes your potential. All very negative. But is there a cure? Absolutely there is a cure. Turn to 2 Timothy a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Most of you will know this by heart. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. God did not give you a spirit of fear. And friends, on the back of your notes, actually, you will see a list there. If you turn them over, you will see a list of the names of your God. And I want to explain to you how you can use that. Because you can use this to fight the devil off. Once again, if I can use a schoolyard example of two kids going to fight or something, you will often hear those kids say this, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. Right? Good statement. For us, amen? Because your daddy, your Abba Father, is greater than the devil. And Scripture is fantastic because it gives you a whole load of keys to use in various situations of fear. As I said earlier, remember? The fear you face when you're 20 is going to be completely different from the fear when you're 40. And you're going to have to learn to, 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 to just deal with it as a principle so that you can cope with it as you move through life. But this list of the names of God, if you like, is, is, is an answer for any and every situation that you find yourself in. Let me explain to you how to use it. Look at the first one. It's the name of God. It's Elohim. What does that mean? He is God, my creator. So how would you use that? How can I defeat the devil? How can I defeat fear with that? Well, I'll tell you how. Let's say you're a, a woman who wants to have a baby. But you fear that you're barren. You've gone to the doctor and has said there's nothing we can do. Well, you've got an answer for that. I've got a creator. The same God who made me, the same God who created me, will also give me a child. And you fight with the name of God. The scriptures say to call out to God. Call on his name. And these names have power. Maybe you don't know it, but there's a devil who does. There's a devil who does. You start to call on that attribute of God. You are Elohim. And you can open my womb. Amen? And look at that list. You can go down one after the other after the other. And you will find the names of God that show Him to be big.
And, and Sarah's, she remained barren and he thought she wasn't going to have a baby. So he took Hagar, slept with Hagar, produced Ishmael. And then do you remember what happened? Hagar, thrown out. Single mom. Single mom. Tragedy. Absolutely appalling. Here's this woman taken and to get out of our clan now. And the Bible says she wandered with her son alone, lonely, and she lay down, brokenhearted. And God spoke to her. And the scripture says he comforted her. And she woke up and she called that place Bir Laharoi, the well of the living one who can see me. He can see me. You know, I remember this big strong woman in one church we were in. And she was a strong woman. Sort that would walk in every week, big smile, happy, you know, no sign of any difficulty or any trouble. But you know, single mums can often struggle. In fact, mums can often struggle. One day, I see this woman and God speaks to me and says, go to her and tell her that I am Laroy. I am Beer Laroy, the one who sees you. I thought, she doesn't need that, Lord. <laughs> but I'll go and I'll say it. And here's this big strapping woman. Hiya! I, 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 got a, I think I got a word for you. You know? I want you to explain about Hagar and how she was alone. And God can see you. That's all I want to say. I can see you. And you know when they blow up a building? A tower block and boom, one side goes out, boom, and then the other side goes out. That was just before me. She crumbled and wept like a baby. Not so strong. And gave in before God. He reached her that day. I can see you. See, these names are the attributes of your God. And any situation, be it fear, Loneliness, poverty. He's the Lord who will provide. Number seven, Jehovah Jireh. If you're struggling with sin, number 10, he's Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who will sanctify me. Amen. And in each one of these situations, you can cry out to God. Call, do literally what the Bible says. Call on his name. Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. I'm going to give you one moment just before we sing out to God, just to assess your own fears and to be willing to confess the word of God towards them. Lord, if it's loneliness, sickness, whatever it is, you are bigger than it all. You are bigger than it, Father. And we put our faith in you this morning and in nothing else. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Lord, we are the head and not the tail. And we call the devil's bluff. And we look to the future that you have promised and provided for us, God. And we ask you to grace us this morning with the strength and the gumption to push through and achieve that potential that you've made us to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. 
I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join up. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.